Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. This is the Unfiltered Entrepreneur. My name is Ashley Pollard. Here you will find business tips, entrepreneurial advice, and an honest account of mistakes I make along the way. I will also have some friends along for the ride who can add in their own experience, obstacles, and what we can all learn from each other. Entrepreneurship can be a lonely road, but not in my circle. We are all in this together. Hello and welcome back to The Unfiltered Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Ashley Pollard. And it's really funny because if you're watching us on YouTube, I am as unfiltered as it comes today because your girl is working in her PJs. But I also have to intro one of my favorite, favorite people in all of entrepreneurship that I have met. Hannah is just a powerhouse, but she's one of the kindest women that I've met and so driven. We have very similar trajectories in our business where we've done group programs and we've had masterminds that we've ran and masterclasses. We also run agencies, but we also have physical product and multiple businesses. So it's really interesting for us to chat because we both own four businesses. We both have separate entities that we're parts of. And we have differing yet similar opinions on things that allow us to lend our insight to the growth of different businesses in different ways. I'm really excited for you to hear our conversation because it's impactful at every turn. I mean, this whole thing is just going to be nuggets of wisdom to come back to. It's truly such a great episode. And like I said, with one of my favorite people. So if you're watching on YouTube, you are seeing me unfiltered as I am right now. And you're about to see me looking real cute in about two seconds. Let's dive into the episode of Hannah Nieves. Let's go. All right, Hannah, we're doing it. I'm so happy to see you. Guys, I have Hannah Nieves on the podcast today, a dear friend of mine, a peer, a confidant. Welcome to the show, Hannah. Thank you for having me. I just love you so much. I'm excited to have this conversation. Guys, at the time of recording this, well, I guess since this is only coming out in a few weeks, you wouldn't have had the baby by now. But we are talking to Hannah, who is expecting. We have a precious little baby girl that we're carrying. I'm so excited for you. So wild. There's something like very poetic about you having this incredible space supporting women. And now you have this precious little baby girl on board. And you're just going to like show her what it's like to have a woman run the world. You know what I mean? I love that. And it's it's so cool to see as well, just like the outpouring of love and support. I remember I was so nervous when I posted the post of being pregnant and the amount of support from women who are like, this is so incredible. We just like love her already. It, it just, it was a feeling that I just, I can't describe. Yeah. And you've had, you've been having a good pregnancy, it seems. And I've obviously never been pregnant. I don't have any kids. What kind of fears do you have around like pregnancy? Like, you know what I mean? Like not like it's happening anytime soon. I'm not, I'm not trying like, don't take that universe as a request. Like, what has it been like? Like what adjustments are we making? What are we learning about ourselves as a business owner? Oh, so many things. So I'll just rewind to about a year ago, my journey to motherhood. And for anyone listening to this, it might be like in the thick of things, or you might be trying or might have miscarriage. I had miscarriage and infertility issues. So my journey wasn't easy to begin with about a year ago. And that kind of like sparked everything. And when I think about it, my husband and I recently bought a 160 acre farm. 
that didn't actually start until I went through the miscarriage because you realized what actually was important. So fast forward six months later, here we are, found out I was pregnant and it changed everything. So at the time I hired my CMO and I was thinking about, okay, we have a runway of eight to nine-ish months here of making sure that everything is streamlined. And I think like the beautiful thing, and everyone always says this, is like when, you know, you have a baby, it's going to accelerate things. It's yeah. going to accelerate growth. And it really is so true. And I'm feeling it right now too, in the most beautiful way. But there's been a lot of preparation because when you're running multiple businesses and you're pregnant too, I mean, obviously the biggest thing is you have to maintain your stress levels. That is like absolutely number one. There's just like no question. Like you have to physically maintain your stress levels. So I had to go through an evaluation of like, what am I keeping? What am I letting go? And what feels good? And I think the beauty of having a kid is now like the people pleasing tendency, it's gone already. It's gone at this point. And if anything, it's also like motivated me even more. But we've done so much in terms of prep work for mat leave. We gave ourselves six months, audited our operations and sales and said, these things have to change. Here's a rollout plan. And we're doing it. We're in the thick of it right now. But I know it's going to pay off when December, when she gets here. I'm so excited for you. And we talked a little bit about like what stays, what goes, running multiple businesses. I really want to spend our time today talking about running multiple businesses. But in a state of change, what for you fell by the wayside? What said, we're not doing that anymore. That goes, that doesn't stay. That's not, we're not keeping that around. So I realized for us where, and again, as a manifesting generator, if anyone's into human design here, this will resonate, but you go with where your energy goes too. And we've scaled these collection of companies that are centered around redefining the way that we live and work. And I just realized that for me, where I get so lit up is being with our community and our network. And I, it's one thing that I take very seriously. So for me, HN House is our community and network. And then we have our app and our new community that's going to be launching soon too. But I realized that for us, it made sense that something has to give. And that was one of the products that we had that had to go. And not necessarily go, but the delivery of how we were um, executing it had to go. And it was Uh a product that launched us in the space, which was a group program. So that paused enrollment. And we actually trimmed down our consulting agency significantly. So we kept the people on that we're going to keep on and said, okay, we're going to keep this maintaining and running a smooth machine here. And we're going to build these other things right now because we know that A, these other things are scalable and B, they could be sellable. That was like kind of the mentality. I think similar to you, we just use each business as springboard to get to the next one and the next one. That's something that I think I've learned from you, from watching you. Obviously, I've like brought in from corporate, but I think something that we really align on as far as business development ethos is build and then take some of that to build the next, take some of that to build the next. Something that I always tell people is like, if you have this massive dream, let's say one, so my massive dream, I want to one day have a restaurant, right? And obviously I'm not a chef. I will not be in, (laughs) but I want to own a restaurant, right? But I don't know anything about that really. I know some things here and there from growing up in a restaurant and from this and from that, whatever, but I don't have the resources for it. So I'm going to do what I did in corporate first, make all this money. I took that money, started investing in me time. I'm going to grow me time, hopefully sell it, take that money and reinvest in the people who are going to help me open this restaurant, which is a 10 to 15 year goal. But you, Hannah, are kind of doing something similar where you grew something, 
took those profits, reinvested in your next idea, took those profits, reinvested in the next idea. I want to hear it from your perspective as someone who's also doing that in your business. How has that been successful for you? And what kind of things have really helped you find success along the way with this kind of like, to your point of kind of springboard mentality or strategy? What has really worked for you? I think the number one thing that was coming up when you were just saying that is being humble. I'm just going to be honest. Being humble in the way that you live, and I joke about this, but this is so serious. When we first hit seven figures in revenue, I was driving my husband's 2015 Honda CRZ. It was basically like a smart car, if you can imagine. It, it was so funny because you just would never know. But I was similar to you, you know, when you're just like obsessed, you're just so excited. You're like, I don't care what I'm wearing. My Target sweatpants from three days ago that I haven't washed. Like we're just like doing it. So that was like the mentality that I had, and I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, they rush into I got to live luxury and X, Y, Z. Like, listen, I didn't get the luxury car until my business could pay for it, until I had an asset that was paying for it. So living humbly was key. But yeah, we use it to open up every single investment. And part of like my strategy too, which I know you are so, so, so good at like starting other businesses and entities, which we have too, but real estate has also been part of the game for us as well, just coming from that. So part of that also was with the studio that we did, but then also the farm. And the farm was a little bit different because we acquired, but purchased the farm and purchased it at a discount where now, now this is like a multi-million dollar asset that I use for my businesses to now go and invest in. So that's kind of how my mind thinks of, okay, if I put this money in, what's going to be the return now, but also in 10 years? So that's how we've made every move so far. And I think the other thing I'll just also say is when you're thinking about springboarding, it definitely takes an advanced, skilled entrepreneur to be able to do that. But also like the mindset is everything though. Like I have no doubt, even if we do fail, I'll learn something along the way. Right. I'm like, but I have to do it. You also have to be so dedicated to the payoff as far away as it might be. And to me, I don't see any of it as a risk. Like for me time, I've worked in product-based businesses, but I've never worked outside of fashion and I've never built a business to sell. So there is a ton of risk involved. There's also inventory risk. And for me, I am saying, okay, well, if there's risk, instead of saying, then I maybe I won't do it. Or like, maybe we'll just like keep it close to home and like, maybe I don't need to sell it. I'll just run it for like a passion project for a while. My brain goes, okay, so how much risk and how much do I need to keep it running? Oh, I need 30, 40 grand to keep it running. I'm going to make 30, 40 grand a month from Team AP Consulting so that I always have revenue coming in so that there's no risk with me time. What's next? What's the other thing I don't know? So you always have to have this kind of hunger to be like, this isn't a problem that scares me. This is an opportunity for me to problem solve and get super creative behind the scenes, but I'm dedicated to play later. And something that I've always kind of shared is that in my 20s, I want to work, I like seen and not heard kind of work. In my 30s, I want to do work that I'm empowered by and that I'm active in so that in my 40s, I can start like chilling, which seems like a really long time, but you're the same way. Like we're still living our lives. I'm not totally glued to my desk. You're not totally glued to your desk. So what has been your tip to find work-life balance? You run multiple businesses. I run multiple businesses. I'd love to hear from you what your work-life balance kind of looks like. So especially with like a baby coming on the way too, this is also forcing more integration that's going to happen. But I've always had this perspective that it really is an integration like there and I'm sure you can resonate with this but there are seasons where yeah like I am on my laptop until nine o'clock at night and it happens like this week I had a, a situation where it was 9 30 10 o'clock at night 
I was on the laptop. I didn't start till 10 o'clock the next day. When I was started later in the day, there's some days where I'll take a half day and a Friday. I think that's, a, that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur is that you have that flexibility. But I think too, from an integration perspective, my non-negotiables are going outside at least once a day. Like I have to go outside, which is why I moved to a farm. So one of my things is either A, in the morning or in the afternoon. Like I always go for a walk on the farm and I'll go see the animals. And it's literally my de-stressor of the day because I get my steps. I could see my donkey and just have the best time. <laughs> I'm dying and to get to the farm, by the way, Hannah. You have to come. Our Airbnb is going to be done in October. But I think it's finding those things for yourself. Like for some clients and even just friends of mine too, it's having that movement, going to CrossFit, going to whatever it is that you like to do. For me, it's being outside with nature with no phone, no connection to anything. And that makes me so happy. Mm -hmm. So that's a big one, too. And I talk about this as well. If anyone here that's still sitting maybe has a partner of some capacity, Having really clear boundaries on your work and social media and your phone when it comes to your relationship. I've been with my husband for 12 years now or going on 12 years now, and we've set some pretty strict boundaries in place. But I think it's been so helpful during the process, too, because marriage and entrepreneurship, that is like a whole other episode on its own. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure but I've never been married, so I can't speak to it. And I think it's important to kind of know how entrepreneurship affects the people in your life and how it comes through. Because like I said, I don't have a partner or anything like that, but I spend so much time with my family and I spend so much time with my nephew. And my nephew started doing this thing where he like was like saying like, oh, I'm Ashley, like gesturing like he's on his phone. And so I'm like, oh, okay. So now we have a rule. I have an internal rule, no phones around little man because I want him to know me present with him. And I think for everything, we have to make sure that we're like really balancing yeah. things. And so for you with this Hudson Farm, how long has that been around now? Like you told the public about it, what, five months ago? No. It's, well, we actually moved in June of this year. Oh my God. Wow. It feels like we, so much longer. It's, yeah. I mean, we were under contract as of January, February of this year. So it was a very long sales process. We just moved in. I love it. Okay, so you have this new venture, right? I, I'm sure you get this question. I get it all the time. How do you run four businesses? How do you run four businesses? And my answer is typically, I'm going to ask you what your answer is here in a second. I'm going to think on it. But my answer is typically, I'm never running all of them at once. One is typically on autopilot. One is typically ran by someone else. One is typically one that I can pick up and drop whenever I need to. So I'm wondering for you, like, do you get that question all the time? I'm sure you do. But if so, what's your answer? It's the same exact thing. Like, for example, when I think of my studio, I don't not say I don't run it because I do. I do play a role in it. But as far as like the day to day operations and sales, the social media, the marketing, the implementation and things like that, and even just going there to meet with clients and customers, that is not me. That is someone else at this point. Certain products and certain companies with H and House. Obviously, I'm more involved with the community and the masterminds and things like that. But yeah, it just depends. And with the farm, for example, people ask me, like, are you a farmer? Like, why do you buy a farm? <laughs> and look, for so many reasons. But outside of this, this is a an entity that now has like 10 different revenue streams now. Sure. And for a lot of them, like I don't really need to be involved. We're yeah. just a landlord at yeah. this point. So again, it's just also figuring out like what type of assets do you want to also invest in? Because building a business is going to take a lot more time and energy. And for some people listening here, they might be like, yeah, I have the money, but I don't want to start a business from scratch. Okay, so go buy a business instead. You can do that. That's another strategy. 
So I think you just have to find what strategy works best for you. And I think that what I know is a part of this that maybe is like implied to someone like you and I, but is just so far-fetched or so different for people who aren't familiar with this concept is there's also a level, I joke with people, people will say to me, you're good at everything you do. And I joke with them and I say, I don't do things I'm not good at. And so I think there's also a part of like, what are you obsessed with? What do you want to learn more about? What is inspiring to you? What are your interests, your passions? Yours are real estate. Now is this farm part of it, right? Yours is the community you're building, the future that you have, the app that I know you're working on and is underway. There has to be a level of like, could you consume a lot of information about this? Could you read about it? You don't have to actively do it. You have to know who to hire, but you have to have like a genuine love for it. I think that's the biggest thing, right? Because if you're just going into something just for the money, you're going to be so disappointed because once you see how much work is involved in that too, it's just you're not going to be happy. And I love that you said that too. It's like only doing the things that also you're good at. And of course, like when you're in like the scaling and startup mode of business, you're going to wear a lot of hats. But like, even for me now, like with our CMO, we think alike, but she's a complete opposite from me. I'm up in the clouds. I am up in like a vision planning. I can IDA and create products left and right. Well, if you ask me to get really deep in like these like micro details, even for Marina on my team, like she'll, I'll bring a vision to her and she'll be like, okay, well, have you thought about X, Y, Z? And I'm like, actually, no, I haven't because that's why you're here because my brain can't think like that. I just see visually the end goal. So I love that you said like hiring the right people that have the complementary skill sets because I'm a firm believer. Like I don't want to hire people just like me. What's interesting, hiring people just like you. I There is something, maybe I've told, I don't think I've told you this, but there is something about you, Hannah, that I've been hiding for a year and it has to do with the lesson in positioning. So we're going to shift a little bit and we're going to talk about positioning yourself because when I entered into the online space, you were somebody who had a pretty established brand. The people in your space definitely looked up to you and they were loyal. I really loved the way that you were speaking. It felt very genuine. It felt very business focused. Where I was noticing a lot of noise around kind of like the verbiage that we hear all the time that does it really mean anything? Does it not? You were really cutting through the fluff and really talking about tangible business. I was re the respect level I had for you and still have for you because I love you to death, but was just astronomically through the roof. And what's funny is that when I started, I had a lot of friends also starting at the same time. I promise the story is going somewhere. But I had a lot of friends starting at the same time and they were doing this thing where they were saying, oh my God, I'm obsessed with this person. I desperately want to hire her. It would be my dream to hire her, to work with her. Oh my God, I love this person. I desperately want to hire her and work with her. And I kind of felt like that immediately with you where I was like, this is the person I want to hire and work with. Then I took a beat and I said, no, this is someone I want to be friends with. This is someone I want as a peer, as I want as a side-by-side -side person. Like I could see myself next to her. And so what I did was I would do little things to kind of get your attention. And <laughs> totally strategically where I would say like, here are people that I follow, like so-and-so, 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 so that you would like share me on your stories. Or here is someone who shares the exact same mindset as me, so-and-so. And then that would be shared to your stories and people following you would see, 
oh, Ashley says the same thing as Hannah. I should be following her as well. So I was kind of using you before we were friends to position myself next to somebody who I really respected, but it worked. And I ended up hiring you for PR, which was really great. And now we have this really great friendship. But the reason that I say this is because I think I picked up a little bit of that learning from you around positioning yourself next to experts that you really respect so that you can make sure that you're messaging and positioning yourself from a really strong place. Why I say all of this is not just because I want to butter you up and tell you how much I love you and how much I respect the business that you've built, but also because I think a lot of the people in your space really respect the way that you've positioned yourself as what I'm going to say is a luxury brand. And I have been on a tear lately about how luxury is bullshit. And you are someone who I think truly exemplifies what a luxury brand could look like without blatantly calling it out. And so the reason I tell that story is to segue into this conversation about luxury and luxury businesses and positioning, because you really have positioned yourself as a really positively luxurious brand. And I want to hear from you, like, do you agree with that word and like feeling like a luxury brand? Because I would identify you as a luxury brand. And I would also ask, what do you think you've done to position yourself as a luxury brand in a way that isn't like obviously calling it out? First off, Thank you for that. I feel like when it comes to positioning, especially you and I know both know like over the last few years, like these words have been thrown around just so much luxury and premium. And there's so many buzzwords. And when I think of luxury, I think, well, for a lot of people, when they think of luxury, they think of luxury products, whether it's like the Hermes or Louis Vuitton, whatever it is. And at least for our brands, I look at luxury as more of like the sensory experience. It's not just the price, but it's also, okay, like, what does your brand look like? What does it feel like? How do you, I, I love, for example, like going into like the Ritz Carlton and looking at their service and like, plot, how do I apply that to our business? And like, that's how I've always looked at things and how I built my businesses. When we created our team, best servings basics, I want to be the Ritz Carlton of the industry. And, and it's not just that I want to be the most expensive offering out that that's not it. That's not it at all. It's more so I want to have the best experience and really like methodically think about how we as a team show up mm -hmm. to really create that for our clients. So when I think of luxury, it's like really like the ethos of A, what you stand for, the experience you're creating, the brand that you're building. And I kind of say like we're an understated luxury in a way where, you know, yes, like we love the finer things in life, but that's also life itself. When it's not just like the physical car, handbag, things like that. It's it's truly, to me, what's a luxury is that intersection of life and business. And that, like living on a farm, although yes, we're living on a farm with cows and horses. Like to me, this is the biggest luxury in the world that I could have created for myself. Yeah, and why I like the way that you clearly showcase yourself as such a prestigious space in the online world or even in business generally, to be honest, is because you don't see Jet's you don't see champagne. You don't see Louis Vuitton. All of those things are perfectly fine, but you were creative and found a way to showcase like white glove service without specifically saying we are an XYZ kind of business. You showcased results. You took such care of the brand. You took such care of the aesthetics and the handholding that your team provides and that I've experienced as a client with you. And there's something to be said about letting what happens behind the scenes 
emanate through with a tangible feel on the other side versus just telling people, hey, like, oh my God, it's so much fun back here. It's like, let's just have a lot of fun and it's going to show. And I feel like that's the difference between Mm -hmm. what you do is that you really are like, back here is a luxury run ran business. And we don't have to tell you it is because you're going to feel it. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest piece. I've heard from clients of people on the internet and our community sharing how there's been a lot of people over the last few years who they have these beautiful brands online that might exude that luxury look or feel or whatever it is. But then when they actually experience it, they're like, oh, whoa, this was like almost like a bait and switch situation. To me, like that's like the ultimate failure. Like I I would be devastated if I had a situation like that. And that's why I'm so intentional with everything that we do because it's not just about the sales that are coming in, right? It's like the experience that people have and that we're just so methodically planning that out all the time. And I think when we think about client experience, we think it's like the one and done situation. It's literally a project that I think the team and I work on almost every single quarter, Mm -hmm. some type of valuation. Yeah. I think there's something to be said about the methodical aspect of it, because I think that people think, well, if I'm not running a business like that, I can't offer good. That means I'm not offering good customer service or I'm not offering care. I'm not offering these things. And I also want to flip that script to say, there's another way to run what I'm calling an every man's business, which is a little bit less hands-on, a little bit less buttoned up, a little bit less, I don't want to say care because there's tons of care there, but I, for instance, feel like I run an every man's business. You know, it's very easy access for everyone. And We have nurture sequences, but like we're not doing gifting and we're not doing these like really special things. We don't put a lot of time into that because we put a lot of time and energy into the profitability of quantity business, a volume business. And I want people Mm -hmm. to know or I'm curious your thoughts on running a non-luxury business that's still respectable because I want there to also be something for the people who say, I just want to run a good business. So my question to you is like, what is the flip side of luxury? Because I don't think it's gross and disgusting and dirt and like the like floor of a TJ Maxx. So I'd be curious what your take would be as like the opposite of like a luxury business, let's say. So I love that so much because I I think, especially when it comes to a luxury business, like a lot of people equate that to being like, you have to have this $50,000 offer and like, that's what makes you a luxury business. But, you know, I'll give you an example for one of the brands that we have, they're going through a whole restructuring of literally the offerings as a whole. So this is going to be this high ticket offer and then everything else is going to be more accessible X, Y, Z, which is a really big change from what we've done in the past. And for me, I still think even if you are running on every man's business and you maybe you have some low ticket products or maybe you don't want to have so many hands-on products or services, that's okay. I think a lot of people think if I want to have this white glove experience, that means I have to be there at every like waking minute of my client. And I always say like, if you don't desire to do that, don't create a product like that. That's okay at the end of the day, as long as you get people to the result that you are promising people, it does not matter. That's why we got rid of our services. Full disclosure is that I was like, dial zero needs my full attention. I can't care deeply in Team AP. I can care a little bit for a lot of people. And so I had to switch my focus. Otherwise, how do I run four businesses where all four of them need? You can't. You can't, like so much of you. And so I think that Part of me hoping that I switch this conversation is that like there is beauty in running 
a really well-oiled machine and looking up to leaders like you who do it in such an authentic and genuine way because behind the scenes is just as pristine as what you see in the front. But I also think that there's value in running a really beautiful or a really respected every man's business as well. And I'm hoping to kind of like shift that conversation. I think there's also like feature forecasting here, though. I think that's definitely a conversation for a lot of people in 2024, especially for the people that are listening to this that maybe run multi-dimensional businesses like we do too. You are going to have to let go of something at some point or you're going to have to restructure at some point as you grow because you just cannot be there yeah. for every single thing. I think that's a beauty of it as well. And even like, listen, even if you have a $47 product or $97 product, you can still put your own touches on it through those email sequences and whatnot and personalize the process without having to be on 50 calls a month with that specific product or service. So I love that you are opening up the conversation to this too, because there's so many different ways of positioning your brand for the day. Yeah. And it feels good to have like support from obviously a friend of mine and a peer. Before we head out, one other thing I wanted to touch on is our relationship. I think we've done a really good job of always supporting each other, having each other's backs, checking in with each other. And I don't say this to offend. I say this because it's an interesting point. Someone was like, are you friends with Hannah? And I was like, friends with Hannah, but Hannah's a peer. Like, I'm not calling you because like, oh my God, like my mom just said the most annoying thing or like, oh my gosh, like I'm going on a date. Like, what should I wear? To me, that's a friend. And I think that people are losing this skill of understanding a peer, which is like, I care about you so deeply. I want to see you win. I want to keep in touch with you. You mean so much to me. And there is a difference between a peer-to-peer relationship and like a close friend and a colleague, because I wouldn't say we're colleagues either. I think we're closer than that. So for people out there who maybe want to network and create more like peer-to-peer relationships, what are some things that maybe like you and I have done to make sure that we maintain that relationship? Because we do have a closeness. I would say the biggest thing, and this is just goes to you and so many other of my peer-to-peer relationships is like, I will just text you or voxer you and just randomly like, hey, what's up? I don't know what you're doing, but I just want to say hi. And I think that's just something that I've just always done. For me personally, though, it's not really a strategic thing. It's more of like an intuitive thing. And half the time when I'm doing that, usually something's happening on the back end that like it's going to come out anyway. For me, I'm a giver and I'm never looking at it. Well, what can I get from this person specifically? And I think that's always shown up in the, the people that I've made relationships with and connections and things like that, which is why I feel like I also have a very strong relationship to you and so many other people where, you know, if I needed you for something and be like, hey, like, can you come to New York in like two months to support me in this thing? Like you would say yes. And I would do the same thing for you. And I think that's like the difference too, is that I think a lot of people when they think of like networking, first off, so many entrepreneurs are living on an island right now. And it's something that I wish like more people can just talk about because people think that you could just keep growing your business by yourself. Like you need the support around you. Absolutely. Not saying you have to go and invest in a $50,000 mastermind. I'm not saying that, but you need support around you and peers around you. And I think also looking at it from the perspective of you can have peers and not have this relationship where, where I need this. I'm going to give you this. Like, you can just be, hey, I'm here to support you, whatever you need. Yeah, there's a basis of, like, we are, we're friends. So, like, I'm not trying to, like, act like we're not, like, we're friends. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to be an asshole yeah. here. But I think that, like, 
caring genuinely for someone else's business has to be part of it. It is just different than like me having a girlfriend who's a teacher. We get each other differently. And to your point, I had somebody who I was really trying to create a strong peer-to-peer relationship with. And I said, hey, you should be getting involved in this event that I'm doing. I'd love to have you there. And she was like, great, I'll send over a proposal and a contract for, I don't know, it wasn't even a proposal or a contract. She was like, yes, let me know your budget for this, this, and this. It was so like buttoned up and official. And I was like, girl, I'm trying to like get down and dirty, like get you involved in this, like brainstorm it out with you. I also think that there's a little bit missing in the tact of like being girlfriend. And supporting one another too. I think at the end of the day, like some of my really good friends who have spoken at my own retreats, including you, came from being connected either on social media or being in masterminds and things like that. I mean, it's built so many great relationships too, where I do call them a friend. When I was going through the miscarriage, like you were there for me in like one of the deepest, like darkest times of my life. Like same thing with another friend of mine where I was staying at her guest house in California, like when I found out I was having a miscarriage. And that was someone who I met in a mastermind with who became a really good peer and friend. And you never know who you're going to meet. But I agree with you. It's just like you have to be there for that person. And I just, I love you so much. I just want to tell you that. Yeah, I love you so much. What's so funny? Do you get this question all the time? I get the question all the time where it's like, how do you network? It's just as simple as like, if they post oh my God, I'm having the rough day. Respond to the story and say like, girl, same. Like just opening up that door. But you know, you're a very easy person to stay friends and quote unquote peers with Hannah because you're just a gem and I love you so much. What's so funny guys is that Hannah was like, oh my God, I'm coming out with an app. And I said, hey, come on the podcast and talk about it. And she said, sure. And I said, Thursday. And she said, yeah, (laughs) here we are. I was like, so natural. I was like, I'm not making you fill out a form. Like, we're just going to have a chat. We we have no agenda for this. No, none. No, just chatting as friends. But Hannah, you do have an app coming out. When does everybody need to stay tuned? So let's just say Q4 of this year, we are rolling out V1. This new platform and community, which I'm so excited about, has been, I feel like, the longest labor of love. And if anyone listening has ventured into the tech space by any means, it's a multi-year process. And it is, it's a lot. I have no interest. Like, the patience you must have for the, like, the patience tech hard. Oh, my God. No, thank you. It's a lot. It's tested my patience in so many ways because I'm similar to you where it's just like, I want to get it out now. Like, I, w- I want to get this out now. I want to launch it now. And I am moving as fast as this thing is getting built, which, mind you, is still a V1. Like, we still have to go through V2 and, like, the next rounds of it to really get this thing where we want it to. But again, knowing the mindset of a $50 million exit 10 years from now, and I know the impact that we're going to create with what this community is going to be. It's just like, I am so fucking excited. Yeah, I'm so excited for you. I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy for you becoming a mom. I'm so happy with you with the farm. Like, I, I'm like tearing up. I have to come out and see the farm. I want to be one of the first ones booking that Airbnb. Like, I'm yes. out there. How many people does it sleep? Can I like bring friends or like am I making oh, full yeah. trip out of it? It's a four bedroom house. We're so you doing, got a whole backyard. We're doing team yeah. retreats up there, guys. Like, let's go. I'm in. Beautiful. I love it. Well, Hannah, I've overstayed my welcome with you. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for doing this so last minute and for being so generous with 
what you share, especially with your community. Where can people fall in love with you? Instagram is where it's at. So at Hannah M. Nieves. And you can also check out our podcast, the Asian House podcast. We have so many free resources, but shoot me a DM. I'll probably voice memo you back. Thank you again for doing this. Good to see you. Same here. We will see you guys on the next episode of The Unfiltered Entrepreneur. See you next time. Hold up. Don't leave quite yet. The good just gets better. I know it might be expensive to hire me for my services, so I've created a free way for you to get all of my best for any question you have. Click the link in the show notes to drop us a voice note, and I promise you I will answer every single one of them on the podcast for free. This has been a Fast Forward production. To learn more about them, check out at the Women Are Speaking on Instagram for more information.